and welcome back to Colette and Matt have entered the chat. It's a weekly conversation about the most very important topic in all of human civilization. That's right. Not world hunger? It is. No. Mm-hmm. Look, you and I sat down. We're like, what are we going to do a podcast about? And we, we talked about world hunger. We talked about, what was the other one? Poverty was probably the big one that we were uh, going to do a show about. And <laughs> And I know you're very passionate about these things, but I, I said, look, poverty is not fun. It's not <laughs> sexy. Oh, my God. Oh, sorry. Just cracking up over here. So let's do it about something that people love, and that is video games. I, I am do here. love the video games. I love the video games. My name is Matt Silverman. You, you might know me from this show, from other things, uh, but you probably know my co-host here. Her name is Colette Bennett. Colette. Yeah. What's what's good? Everything's good, man. I have so much stuff that I'm excited to talk about with you today. Yeah. I'm just like, yay. Let's Sometimes talk we, about nerdy stuff. We plan a little bit. And uh, and and sometimes we we kind of give each other a heads up about what we're gonna chit chat about. And today we're flying a little blind in a fun way. You you your excitement is about about things that I don't know what's happening is getting me excited. So <laughs> You know, uh, throughout my entire career, people have always said, oh, my God, your enthusiasm is amazing. Like, that is like the most consistent. (laughs) So I don't know what it is about me being excited that makes other people excited. But hey, like, cool. This is why people came out of the woodwork to support you when you returned to this microphone uh, is because your excitement is is that thing. Um, It's just very natural and honest. It's just you are who you are and people really enjoy you myself included and it, there's no uh, there's no bullshit there you know what i mean like it's yeah. just people like to people like to get excited with you and so i'm 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 glad you're on the internet uh being excited about stuff that's <laughs> it's good for the world thank you <laughs> um w- 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 let's talk about i don't know let's talk about what we're playing of course. Because that's gonna that's gonna bring us into all all the things. But let, let's let's start there. Uh, official segment music here. Not the new releases. Not the hot new thing. We're done with E3. The dust has settled. What are we playing right now? What has caught your attention? You were excited to share something. Yes. Well, I was really I excited know. because I actually took like an hour before the podcast to finally play it. And I don't know if you're anything like me in this way, but like, you know, I'll like sort through my Steam and be like, ooh, this is coming. Ooh, this looks really good. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a demo for this. And like, I'll, I'll download some things, but I often never get to them. So I really have to make time to like sit back down at my desk after a work day and be like, okay, I want to like, you know, put an hour in, but I did that. And I feel so excited by what I played. Um, so this game is, um, is called Sable. And the mm-hmm. best way for me to, to quickly sum it up is that in the hour I played, the impression I got was if you were to mash journey eco and breath of the wild together into a game mm-hmm. it's kind of got all those vibes but it's also like really uniquely its own thing mm-hmm. um this game is like this game is like the most like the most colette bennett like it's literally like someone just like took all the things that i love and just like hammered them together and was like hello this is for colette bennett totally is that yeah like it's a super story rich game it's it's an open world so you get to explore but like 
and the writing, like I notice the writing a lot. I've heard lately that in games. a lot, and I'm oh, so thrilled to yes, like to the, know, to hear that from you. It's just little touches, you know. It's little things. It's it's you know the way that someone expresses a sentence or a sentiment or, or whatever. But I was like, oh, this is cool. So mm-hmm. um, the 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 whole concept of the game is that Sable is a is your character you play, um, and you are going to take her through a rite of passage called the gliding. I don't know what that means yet because uh, I didn't play enough game yet. But quick, you quick are question: You mm-hmm. only did an hour, yeah? Just like just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is she a she officially? Is that known? Yeah, actually, I, I checked that because I, I noticed in what the hour I played that there was there. Uh, I did see a, a they pronoun, but uh, the hmm. the game's official description refers to Sable as a her. But yeah, that if, which is which is great. And, and just for the for the listeners, uh, this character is masked or cloaked, so there's really no both. you don't see a face right away or ever, perhaps. Right. Yeah, I wondered that actually because uh, in the conversations in that first hour of game, no one ever specifically identified sable as a female so i actually mm-hmm. wasn't sure um mm-hmm. but uh I, I just noticed when i pulled it up and like you know got some more info before we hopped on but i do like though that like so far the characters kind of have this like sexless vibe yeah. you know like you don't really nothing about you know what they're wearing or what they're doing really signifies and it's interesting, right? Because like you're not seeing faces, so that's obviously a part of it. Like, and mm-hmm. you would think, oh, well, you would notice a body, but because they wear cloaks and you know interesting clothing, you really don't. Um, there's also a scene early on that I did with a like a speeder bike, and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this has like star- like Star Wars vibes too, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know the speeder bike across the desert. Because when you when you open up into the game, um, you're in this vast, beautiful desert. And it's a game where you load it up and like the minute you see the art style, you're like, wow, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I don't know what you would call that style, kind of like a line art, like I don't, it, every, every every scene looks like a graphic novel. Yeah, line art is a good I, I would not know that. Like, I know what you mean by that term, but I'm not an artist, so I wouldn't I wouldn't have right. gone there initially. But line art is a perfect term. And then cell shaded. Is that accurate? You know, I get confused about cell shaded because when I first saw cell shaded games, I was like, oh, OK, people call this cell shaded. Mm. And then over time, I heard other things referred to as that that. I didn't recognize it as the same style. And I was like, okay, I, maybe it's diversifying and I don't really fully know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at, at any rate, probably somewhat um, <laughs> far from an expert there. Uh, but this is published by Raw Fury, which I thought was actually uh, pretty cool. They've done a couple of other things I've really liked. I really like Backbone. And um, I remember a couple years ago playing what was the name of that game mosaic that i really really liked that they've done as well i'm so glad I was like, that cool. you played their previous stuff i perceived this uh erroneously as like an, a small studio's first game they're coming on the scene but but clearly not they they have quite a bit of experience here with good games in the past uh, well uh, you're partially right so they're um Rough Fury is publishing and mm, Shedworks mm-hmm. is the is the developer right. and they have okay. never done anything before. Okay, but I'm not gonna okay, lie, gotcha. for a first game, this is like a jaw dropper. Like I'm it's like it's a big one. 
Yeah. Wow. Um, there's not like a ton of, of information about it on its Steam page. It basically kind of, you know, tells you roughly like what I just told you. But mm -hmm. like this just looks like a world to get really lost in. And actually what I thought was interesting was I was like, when I was playing it, I thought about you and I was like, oh, I was like, this might be one of those things where like Matt and I perfectly, like the two circles like overlap because yep. it's an open world exploration game. And the setting just reminds me of something you'd like, but it also has like, it's, it's, it's like a story rich game and I can already tell. Um, yes. And I also noticed that, you know, when you played Breath of the Wild and like you just kind of had this like, like it was so lovely to be there, like hmm. in that space. That's mm, what Sable mm -hmm. feels like to me. Mm -hmm. Like just being that's, there is kind of awe inspiring and peaceful. Like I felt at peace while praise. I was exploring it. Yeah. Yeah, it Dude. really was. So now you know why I was so excited. I was like, ooh. And then I was like, what's the gliding? Like, what's the rite of passage that like I'm going to go through? And, you know, what is this world? And like, yeah, like like it's desert like, but at the same time, it kind of has its very own. You feel like you're truly in like a foreign new world that you've never seen before. And I think that's so cool. Like it's got a nomadic yes. vibe, but like, yes, you know what I mean? So you're you're saying a lot of things that make me wonder if you've played it already, actually. I have I have a, a, a mini story here. Ooh. We when we were talking about our E3 sort of like, hey, what what are our top picks? Sable was among them for me. And I when I saw it reemerge, I was like, oh, yeah, I saw something, a trailer, an art thing, an art, you know, screenshots or whatever uh, years ago and Ooh. was like yeah that's that one i got to keep an eye out for for a, the, all the exact precise reasons that you described so um i was excited to see it pop up again at e3 or summer games fest or whatever and I, you know we've talked briefly about this i got a i my computer my pc the the main hard drive failed which i learned later mm -hmm. and so i took that opportunity to get a new pc and that took me time to get back up and running and in the course of doing that, I was figuring out like, okay, is everything running properly? Are all the games that I previously, that I was, was previously playing, are they running properly? And there was a bunch of tweaking and, and nonsense that I needed to do to figure that out. And in that process, I was like testing other games and was like, oh, well, you know what? Let me grab Sable and like see how well this runs. Mm -hmm. And what I realized later is that a, of course, a it's a demo, so it's a free demo. It's not right. the complete game, and it is still being worked on. Right. Uh, B, they what I read later was that they had it originally ran at thirty frames per second, which is all right, but not. I don't love that, and I'm very, um, very particular about that sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. I was like, but 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 at the time I downloaded it, there was a. 60 frames uh update to the demo so i actually oh. grabbed it when it was improved nice so i grabbed it and i was like okay let's check out sable let's see how it goes and for whatever reason i, I it is a work in progress um there is something wrong with the what i understand to be frame times which is not the actual frame rate of the video game which is huh. 60 frames per second it right. runs flaw very well at 60 frames per second but when frames come in uh uh at, 
at varying intervals instead of regular intervals. You can still hit 60 frames per second, but there's a little bit of a and tell me if the, if you have experienced this or if you're sensitive to this. I'm extremely sensitive to it. A little bit of a tug. Like if you're moving the camera horizontally or side to side or you're moving through the world very fluidly at 60 frames per second, that those images should just move seamlessly. But if there is a frame time issue, there's a little bit of a a little bit of a a little bit of tug, a little bit of a a little bit of a as the world moves across the screen. And that was happening real bad uh, in Sable. And oh. I kind, and so, so I downloaded it at a bad time because I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with my computer? This game <laughs> is beautiful, and, but it's a demo of a very low poly, low, t- like when I say low texture, I actually mean no texture. Like it's just colors. There's right. no textures in right. this game. So this game should fucking run on a toaster. You know what I mean? And it's not <laughs> running well here. OMG, what's wrong with my very expensive new computer? And after a lot of other figuring out of things, I was also, this is also fucking stupid. I was, I pulled, I downloaded No Man's Sky for something, for some other reason, and I was playing it, and I'm like, this runs like fucking shit on this computer. What the (laughs) hell's wrong with my computer? And it had the same frame time issue. And I think I'm realizing now that like No Man's Sky got an update which is very buggy for some people. Sable is a work in progress demo, which should right. not be a, you know, this is not a final product. It is a work. In- so I came at this at a very bad time for me and realized later that everything is fine, but it, it was like, OMG, it what just, the heck's it going just, on? As they say, it just hit different. It hit different for me. <laughs> so, so I hopped in and was like, yeah, okay, I'm digging this, but it, but I could not get past that little technical issue. Of course. And so I set it down. And so I'm thrilled that you played it and I got to taste a little bit of the art style and the movement. What I would love to he- hear about too, is that the character sable you're the main protagonist it's a third person game the character animation runs at a lower frame rate than the world animation so you're playing this game at a fluid 30 or a fluid 60 the little character the character animates maybe at like 12 frames per second similar to um like an into the spider verse stop motion kind of uh you know wallace and gromit claymation kind of thing yeah um if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and it looks sometimes i see that thing going on in video games and it really is hard because it's it looks like the game is broken it doesn't look like it doesn't feel good to play uh this looks really lovely and really it's really well done in the very very little that i've touched it and so i don't know if you've noticed that or if you enjoyed that as much as i did well it's funny right so i'm not sure if this is exactly the same as what you're experiencing but um when i was uh navigating and moving my character around i noticed that uh to like look around me like like if i wanted to say like turn like 45 degrees you know right or something that i had to Mm -hmm. kind of like scroll my mouse multiple times to get there people were saying that that the camera sensitivity was way too low which they recently patched just as well right and i i didn't try to change that because i was just absorbed in the game at the time Mm -hmm. but i think Mm -hmm. when i go back in i probably will um but 
you know, other than that, I, I can't, I personally didn't have any issues with it. But I think like over time, I've definitely noticed that like you will notice um, quality issues or frame rate issues or things about games that I have to admit, I don't know necessarily notice them unless they're pretty janky. And God bless you because <laughs> I, that is a mental illness of, for my part. And you, you are a normal human being who's like, oh, this game is fun. And I'm a person who's like 59 frames fuck this thing and kick it to the curb <laughs> you really need a t-shirt that says 59 frames fuck this and in fact <laughs> if you would like me to letter that for you i can make that a reality <laughs> i really think i'm gonna take you up on that um <laughs> 59 do, do, fps fuck this <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> The I mean, look, we have to do the PG version because the only human beings I see in the in this world are like children and like moms. So I can't wear a fuck this T-shirt out in the world anymore. But that's um, okay. I'll make you a I'll make you a wallpaper instead, so you can put it somewhere (laughs) where it's private to just you. (laughs) Do me a personal favor, and again, you may not even perceive it, but boot ups. You know, go back into Sable and enjoy Sable, but. Stuff. Put your character in the center of the screen and just pan the camera. You know, I don't know if you're playing a mouse. Uh, actually, use a controller if you can. Okay. And just pan the camera slowly left and right. And if it's if it's working as intended, it should just be this smooth, seamless gliding across your screen. Don't even go it at the max speed. Just go as a like, I'm taking in the scenery. But look really closely. And then if you see this sort of like it's not a frame drop it's not a stutter it's just a little bit of like a it's hard to, i can't even describe it verbally but it's a little bit of it's a hiccup it's a twitch it's I a little bit of a, if, it, if when i was pulling my camera left and right i kind of felt like i had to like pull harder and i wonder if that's what it is if you go if you pull hard and you pull fast especially if you're playing a, an action game which i don't think this is super actiony but if you're moving quickly, it's imperceptible. But if you are, mo- if you're moving very uh, methodically, um, which this game, you know, even walking through the world is, uh, is, is a nice methodical pace and it's beautiful. Um, see, tell me if you see it, cause if you see it on your machine and I see it on my machine, then I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? I just would love to know that, uh, I'd love to have that satisfaction, but yeah, also I, like, I can do that. <laughs> I'll wait for the full release. I'll, you know, let them, let them polish it up. All good. But I'm, I'm thrilled you tried it. I'm, and I'm loving that you love it. It, it is in the Venn diagram that is Colette and, and Matt. It is right in that middle. And I love you, like, like you said, uh, Breath of the Wild open world story exploration, but it has that Star Wars vibe of like, it does. This is some backwater desert tribe in a faraway land riding on hover bikes like Mm -hmm. there's no it doesn't fit into any mythological category it's just rad and that is why right yeah that's a perfect way of putting it like you know you can definitely see like bits and pieces of what's inspired them but what i like about it is that they show as inspirations not as like copies yeah that's exactly right that's hard to do you know, I mean, hard. I know when I started out as a writer, all of my writing sounded like Stephen King's because I worshipped <laughs> Stephen King. You know, it took me a long time to be like, oh, OK, yeah, I, I you know, I had to develop my own voice over time. So it's, right. you know, it's it's hard not to imitate the things that impress you the most. You learn to shift that homage into the background and keep your 
your stuff in the foreground somehow mm -hmm. over yeah. time you develop yeah. that taste and then eventually you're able to like you know like i think they're doing here like weave into the fabric of your own voice like the influences but you know they're in there but it's it's not necessarily like just just it and nothing else it's you too is there voice acting in, in this or is it all text dialogue and such i heard no voice so i'm okay. assuming that that probably not yeah yeah it's it's got it's got a real storybook vibe too again because of that color palette and the animation style uh yeah it's really it's a special game i hope that it i hope it delivers you know because like we, and we've talked about this it's like some games are like cute little moments and then you play it for three hours and wasn't that nice but like I, I would like this to be a meaty game where I right. can, I want this to be a Breath of the Wild experience-ish where you can, like you said, go off into the wilderness and just uh, enjoy. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's possible that it could be. Um, also, I just noticed looking at the, um, the updates page that yeah. the, one of the developers that responded to it is Greek. Which is interesting because I don't think okay. I've played a lot of games made by Greek developers. So that's pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah, I yeah. can't think of any studios off either. the top of my head. Mm. I mean, that I know of. Of course. Of course. Um, you know, something you said about Breath of the Wild to tell me if you can relate to this. There, When, when you play a, a beautiful... You play a game in a beautiful space that, like you said, you just like inhabiting that space. Mm-hmm. But then, but the game does not allow you to sit down. There is something about, I'm an adventurer, I'm Link, I'm fighting evil, whatever. But over here, I'm just in this little, little cute town. And I just want to like sit down by, uh, by on a bench or a campfire or whatever. And I believe Breath of the Wild, correct me if I'm mistaken, Breath of the Wild had a mechanic where you can sit down and rest by a campfire. And that was like a rejuvenation or yeah. a cooking thing or whatever yeah but you, there was no way to just like sit on a mountaintop no and i Which, was like if you think about you the game made this beautiful game why can't i sit on this mountaintop <laughs> guess because they thought no one would want to do that which is weird that's <laughs> <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah no it definitely is but uh, I noticed also that Sable opened with a scene that reminded me a little bit of Journey when you're meditating on the top of a sand dune and then you stand mm. up and you begin the game. Um, right. And I was like, you know, I hope I've written in the past about this for, um, for you know, the concept of meditative or, um, oh, God, I wrote a whole feature about it and I can't think of the name of, of what mm. I named it. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> you coined, kind of, you coined kind something. Yeah, kind of a um, a peaceful, meditative space, a space where like the atmosphere of the game is so powerful and so enveloping that you really do lose yourself. But also like a game where you feel very peaceful, you know, versus a game that's more like loud and noisy and, and chaotic. Yeah, uh, I, I always really gravitate to that kind of that kind of game. I have fond memories as a kid and a younger person just being inside of game worlds and really inhabiting them and really loving them and and doing nothing in them sometimes and i'm having a little trouble uh being doing that 
even in games and environments that I that I love. And I think this is a uh, an old age restlessness or you know like a middle age restlessness kind of problem that I'm also having in my uh, IRL life too but um I really miss that. You know what? It's a, it's a funny story. I have a, a specific memory of playing Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, which is the open worldiest of open world games, especially of its time, precursor to Skyrim. And just wandering around and just taking in these beautiful landscapes and doing whatever, whatever. And then loving that, like, randomly the weather would change and it would start raining. And I would go, I would, it would be like, oh, it's raining. I better go under this bridge to get, to get out of the rain. Just as a role playing, sort of inhabiting the world kind of thing, that's what you would naturally do. You wouldn't frolic around in the rain. You'd go and, Wait, watch the rain and wait for the rain to stop. And the game engine did not have collision with the rain. So the rain just came right through whatever was above me and it was still raining on me. And I was like, huh, damn it. Like, all I want to do is like sit down in a rainstorm and watch rain, but I can't be sheltered from the rain. Isn't that weird and disappointing? And I remember going online looking for mods for the game because it was a PC game to try to figure out if that could be modded into the game. And I must have learned that like, hey, we've tried. (laughs) The game engine is just limited. We can't do collision with raindrops. So that's a limitation of the game. And I just remember feeling like, man, wouldn't it be great to be under a bridge in a rainstorm in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. And uh, I don't know, I really relate to that environmental inhabitants stuff that you're describing. It's Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's like, I think when people talk about Breath of the Wild, they're like, oh my God, it's a perfect game. It's a beautiful game. But I don't know if a lot of people can put to voice the fact that they felt incredibly peaceful while playing the game, that there was Mm -hmm. something that was soothing about the game to them. Like, those are things that I think are harder, like, you know, to put into words. Of course, it's a beautifully, beautifully crafted game in all ways. But I think that for me, that's what I'll be honest with you. It almost bumped Legend of Zelda NES out of my number one Zelda slot. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't fault you if it did. That's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. That is like elbowing like 40 plus years of nostalgia, like, right out of the way. But, you know, like, it's great. But that game design is like, um, I've heard it described like film editing or like sound design is like when it's doing its job beautifully and perfect, you don't notice it. You just feel good watching the film or listening to the music, you know, good production and music. You just are like, yeah, the song feels good or this game, I feel engaged or at peace playing this game, but no one, but when it's bad, you're like, ugh. What the hell? Who, who did the, who designed that? You know, <laughs> yeah. So it only you only notice it when it's bad, and uh, and that's the magic of that game. Yeah. Every time you talk about Breath of the Wild, I I do feel a pull to go back. It's to so it. good. I think about replaying it all the time, but then I'm like, you know, just wait for Breath of the Wild too, because like it's not. Yeah. It wasn't a short game. No, certainly not. I would love to look at my little stat there and see how many hours I put into it because 
I did not go for all the Koroks, uh, you know, rebuilt Tarrytown all the way to the max and got most of the armors and such. Uh, but I did not feel compelled to be like super duper completionist. Never no. did any DLC. I don't know if, if you did, I did uh, try the one of the DLCs and they are like fucking hard mode. Like, yeah, like if you hardcore. were like, hey, I want Breath of the Wild to kick my ass. And I was like, that's yeah. not what I'm here for. I just want to yes. chill out in this beautiful <laughs> Hyrule. So like it wasn't a fit for me, but like I'm sure other people really enjoyed it. You know, isn't that weird that they're like, OK, this amazing, you know, top 10 game of all time that everyone loves. You know what? You know what people are going to want from this beautiful, peaceful game? hardcore kick-ass mode like who who is that for i i honestly don't know because i feel like that's just not yeah like nothing about the game is like oh yeah like let's make a super 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 hard mode so i i don't know what they were thinking yeah very probably strange. they weren't thinking probably they were like god i'm so fucking tired after making this gigantic <laughs> game like i don't know what to let's do just, here let's just put a room with lots of enemies there's your dlc <laughs> good luck i, I mean uh, not to not to shit on anyone but like uh that it's basically an arena uh battle but right am i am i mistaken yeah no you're not yeah but then they added another DLC, which was like, and here's a motorcycle. And I'm like, no, I don't think we need, want motor. We don't we don't have motorcycles in Hyrule. I don't think we want that. Do we? You're like, you are canceled. We do not motorcycle here. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo is canceled. Uh, oh, 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 I don't remember who was saying this in the discord. Uh, was it Docky? Uh, I don't forgive me if I'm misattributing this, but the, there was discussion about why doesn't Nintendo have a live service game? A and a, a few folks were chatting about like, okay, well, if Nintendo even did, it's so out of character for them to have right. that. But even if they did identify a business opportunity to be like we could sell this game for $60 or we could make a free to play game where you're going to buy every hat for Mario or whoever <laughs> I would be shocked to ever see that but what if they did and then some of that discussion turned to like all right well what franchise would that well, be in a way i kind of feel like they're testing it out with their mobile stuff because yes. like you know like uh shoot i can't remember the name of the mario on rails like racing game yeah is it it's jump mario jump or jumpers i, is I can't that, remember right? i don't know and there's a I, mario kart which actually makes okay. a ton of sense for this model if it was a free-to-play mario kart where you can trick out your car upgrade it hats costumes right. characters yeah, and then like um I don't know now if you can buy anything, but for I know for Pocket Camp, which I played quite a bit when it first yes. came out, um it was it no, wait a minute. I think there was something you could buy. At any rate, I think that's how they're trying to kind of come at those types of things. Um mm -hmm. but I wish that they did have something like that on the Switch, quite honestly. I think that sure. would be amazing. Is What's your thought on Pocket Camp and would you recommend uh an Animal Crossing fan? who is done with New Horizons to jump into Pocket Camp? Would it be a, a disappointing experience by comparison? Um, you know, I feel like for me, my takeaway from it was basically very based on when I played it. So let me explain okay. that. 
So I played it before um, New Horizons was available. And so it was like kind of that really long drought between Animal Crossing games when you're like, God, I wish they'd just make an Animal Crossing game for the Nintendo Switch, totally, right? Totally. So I think what happened was it showed up in a time when what I really wanted was a full Animal Crossing game. Mm-hmm. It was well done. It has all mm-hmm. of the polish of every Nintendo product, you know, first party mm-hmm. product you've ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, and this is weird, right? Because when you play a regular Animal Crossing game, I feel like there is some amount of like, okay, go do this quest to achieve this thing. You know, like a little, yeah. not as much mm-hmm. as there is in other mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the fetch questiness was turned way up in Pocket Camp. And there came a point where I was like, I feel so repetitive. Like I'm just doing the same thing all the time. And I don't really like that. Um. So that part did not appeal to me like after like, I don't know, a couple of months of playing, like when the cuteness had, you know, worn <laughs> off and I was just like, like, okay, I just feel like it's really repetitive now, you know, in and like a mobile, I, in a mobile environment where you can just open the app and then tick the tick a couple boxes in between uh, other things in real life. I, I, I'm not saying I would forgive that uh, cranked up fetch questiness, but like. I get why it's a little that dial is turned up there and I'm not like right. diametrically opposed to it in that format. Yeah, that well you, and you might not be that's the thing. Like I have a friend who plays it and to this day she she's one of my closest friends. She absolutely loves it. And mm-hmm. she's like, "I just, you know, really enjoy. I find it really peaceful." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." But like when I started playing it was so early on as well that like the first they had two events around the same time, an Easter event and a um, Golden Week event, I think. So it was like cherry blossoms and like, uh, oh, no, Sakura. That's right. It was, yeah, it was the cherry blossom season. And like, mm-hmm. I remember it was kind of weird. Like all of the mm-hmm. Easter stuff was like hideously ugly, at least to me. <laughs> and then like the cherry blossom stuff was beautiful. But like it was some like the two events like bumped into each other or something yeah. like that. It was yeah. a little bit confusing. And it was like, oh, wait, why don't why doesn't it do this? Why doesn't it do that? You know? Um, and I felt like I had a real drive to play. Uh, in fact, fun fact that, um, you'll probably think is pretty funny. Um, I, I I was during the time where I was playing it every day and trying to visit other people's islands to like make major money. I had it on my desk. And so like, you know, I'd leave it and I'd kind of keep an eye on things while I was working on your phone. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I should have specified. I was I, I just like changed topics without even telling you. I was thinking about um, New Horizons. Oh yeah, okay. I, I was like, okay. Yeah. So I would have well, the sure. switch on my desk, right? And so one time I had this meeting, and, and by the way, everyone I worked with on my direct team was also playing the game. So it was yeah, like yeah, everyone yeah. was like, "Oh my god, did you get this? Oh, come to my island tonight. I'm going to get you this." So I it was remember like that. Yeah, that was happening. So we pop into the meeting and um, the owner of the company that I work for, whom you also may know, uh, was in the meeting. (laughs) And I kid you the fuck not. Like I was all I was doing was like opening the game to like try to quickly run into a queue or something like that. Like I was going to go to someone else's island. So I was going to open it and mute it and put it on the side. But I forgot to mute it. So as the as I logged into the (laughs) meeting, literally the moment I logged into the meeting (laughs) was like and (laughs) like to this day, to this day, (laughs) my my boss will like 
like be like she was like that was the worst but at the same time i fucking lost it and, and like to this day i can just literally go do, 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 and she'll just crack the fuck up <laughs> and i was like man animal crossing problems right there it was <laughs> what anyway, a time that what a side time. story really didn't explain like i guess maybe it did explain that like i kind of gave up pocket camp because i felt like it got repetitive right but i feel like now like i just went to the the nintendo site and i was like oh now you can like meet sanrio characters and like decorate your house with like hello kitty stuff and you can you know like for super mario 35th like they were like hey cool like you can get mario's hat and you can do all these things and i was like maybe it would be more fun now you have banked a lot of event stuff, although you'd have to trade for all that stuff because all those events are over. So right. trading is really fun and we really have a lot of fun go going into the discords and the Nukazans and just hopping over to people's islands to get to just complete the collection. You know, like So my when wife, you say we, do you mean the kids play it? The ki- my daughter and I played it a ton and then we got my wife into it and now she is the just the president of the island and she plays still <laughs> to this day every single night uh, mostly it. just cleaning up weeds and and sticks and but but when the sanrio stuff came out it was like you can buy these cards at target well you couldn't get those those sold out in <laughs> one millisecond Four seconds. but what they uh gracefully did was like you can unlock the items with the sanrio cards and then you can duplicate them through your catalog maybe in a limited amount or or whatever and so people the the items became part of the economy in a way that wasn't like 400 nook miles tickets and you can get this hello kitty chair it was like the prices were normal you know so we did not get any of the cards we just were like well now now this is content to play in the game we can you know we're millionaires and have infinite bells and nook miles tickets at this point because my Mm -hmm. wife just grinds every single night so it's like yeah we'll just fly to this island and get this hello kitty chair and then she leaves it outside of my daughter's house and she'll log in a week later and be like oh my god i'm gonna redo my house with all Ah. these no cute things it's just really sweet and fun. So like so you there is nothing to do in the game for you today, but if you wanted to acquire those items, you could have fun acquiring them. But this leads me to another question, which is, you know, E3 came and went and there was zero and the fucking biggest Nintendo game in in a long ass time and they didn't even mention it, update it, say anything about it. Uh, there's, and, and all the events that are recurring now, the, the April, the, the Easter stuff, it's exactly the same as it was last year. So if you binged hardcore the way we all did together during work, uh, last March and, and, Mm -hmm. and June, (laughs) um, it's just going around the merry-go-round again. There's nothing new to do or get. So my question there is, um. Hey, what the fuck? Like, why can't they? Why is there no like DLC for Animal Crossing, etc.? Right. But B, if you fired up Pocket Camp, po- Pocket Camp being a mobile live servicey game, 
which I assume has microtransactions in it, but please correct me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there no, new yeah. stuff to get and buy or no? Uh, well, that's the thing. I don't know. And I'll, I okay. will say that, f- like, you know, we've talked a lot about our like gaming personalities. And one thing I've really realized about myself is that I... I have to have a story that's absorbing me. And if I don't mm-hmm. have a story that's absorbing me, I'm going to lose interest quickly. So like, right. you know, what's the story of Animal Crossing? Well, you know, it's not like it has a robust story, but you know, we all right. know that we're going to be in debt to Tom Nook for a house and we're going <laughs> to talk to QP, you know, but like, I think like, for instance, I noticed that as soon as I paid my house off in full, my interest in the game just like dropped. Yeah. Like boom. that's the big carrot. That's the, that is the biggest, biggest carrot. And, and once that carrot is gone, even in New Horizons, it was like, okay, you've gotten the final addition to your house, so now you got to pay me. And it's like, why? There's nothing else to unlock after that. Why would I pay you 800,000 bells to unlock nothing? Like, I already have the house. Like, so that was weird. That was a weird end game uh, thread there that didn't really go anywhere. Uh, Yeah. 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 It's weird. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So we've gotten uh, so many hours of joy out of this beautiful product. So it is it is a crime to say like, oh, fucking animal. Cr-. Like it, that's wrong to yeah. say that. Yeah. But it is also it's truly flabbergasting to be to to see the sales numbers and the interest. People who have never touched a video game in their life are like. I can't stop playing Animal Crossing during the pandemic. And then Nintendo's like, eh, we don't need to make any more money from that. We're, we're done here. We don't care anymore. Like, it's just very strange. Right. For sure. Yeah, I get it. It's, I mean, you know, it's funny the way I see it, and I'm sure many other people see it this way. Uh, I see it as it was there exactly when I really, really needed a, a fun game to lose myself mm-hmm. in, which was right at the mm-hmm. beginning of the pandemic. Yes. You know? A- and. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, the, the cozy groves of the world and such of like, I think there is an Animal Crossing sized hole in many people's hearts that, right. or, you know, in gamers hearts for sure of like, I really want that again. I've already played Stardew Valley. I've already played Animal Crossing and these other life sim collect them all cutesy whatever's some of them are okay and some of them are just not up to snuff and we're waiting for the next one sure Uh, you know the world is waiting for the next one which again is like if nintendo just came in and be like guess what everyone there's all new things in Animal Crossing now, and it's a me. It's a get, get ready. Like that would kill. I'd pay yeah, for it. Like, I'd pay twenty dollars. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I don't know. I just this idea came to my mind. Like of course you can plant your own garden, right? But like I don't know. What if you were able to like make a vegetable garden, or what if yeah. you were able to like I don't know. Just like there's got to be other things in the world that would help it continue to grow that you could do. And I think one thing that definitely took the fun out of it for me is when I found out about Nookazan and then I found out about ways to make a ton of money really quickly. That's that's it. Yeah. And when I did, of course, I was like, I'm going to pay off my house. And then I paid off my house and I was like, oh. So a lesson lesson to all of you who are listening, don't do that. 
if you want nope. to continue to enjoy the game for a longer period of time because i did it and i was like i'm rich and then i was like oh there's nothing else Jesus. for me to really do or get or you know like there just isn't what a life lesson i know <laughs> think about all those depressed millionaires who are like i just i have nothing there's nothing else for me to do now Yep. Except live in my big mansion. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, lo I love that allegory. Yeah. It's so, I, I love games with economies. I love the idea that virtual goods have value and that I want to exchange them with other players. And this is the going rate for this thing and that thing. And I'm going to look online and use tools, but there's no, um, there's no scarcity in Animal Crossing. So there is trade and there is money, but without scarcity, there's no true economy. So you can just break right. the economy for your own character. Right. And it has no effect on the wider Animal Crossing world. And it all it does is ruin the game for you. And then you're done. And it's, ah, it, it's, uh, what if there was a, what if there was a cool real economy, a real trading system in the right. game? Yes, like you have to you have to do something to give it How do I put this? Like I don't know, like more more of a robust like reason to continue a to reason. log in. A meaning, yeah, yeah. A meaning. Yeah. 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 Uh, th th there there was all this data mining about cooking systems and that they were going to bring back the coffee shop from previous iterations, which I was not familiar with because uh, I only played the original GameCube Animal Crossing, which was the port from Japan, the first Animal Crossing. Oh, okay. That and I love like the idea of a world that is alive even when you're not there was so that that is my jam like there's something about that simulation even though it's so rudimentary and silly when you really mm -hmm. peel back the layers that was so cool to me and also i don't know if i ever shared this with you but i think i found I, I I have old consoles in the basement, found my old GameCube, found the Animal Crossing disc because it was GameCube, but could not locate the Animal Crossing, uh, excuse me, the, the memory card. Found one memory card and it did not have the Animal Crossing save on it and misplaced the other one years ago. But like... <sighs> The idea no. of booting up a 20-year-old village <laughs> and the villagers being like, where the fuck have you been? And showing that to my kids was so fun, the idea of that. And I could not find the memory card. Oh, my and God. New Horizons came out and w my daughter and I were just like basking in the, in the beauty and majesty of this amazing, lovely game. And who shows up ra randomly? Because we didn't really fully understand the mechanics of how to like self-select villagers it was more like okay the villagers will come when their houses are built and all that early game stuff and peewee who was a gorilla happened to randomly come to visit to live on our island and i turned to my daughter and i was like oh my god peewee was in my first animal crossing town from like fucking 20 years ago he was like my buddy in original Animal Crossing, and here he is. He's back. Amazing. And it was just the coolest thing. That I is can't. extremely cool. And like right. that is definitely a thing that I could see 
you know, like someone being like, I want to go back to see if things like that happen. Like it kind of reminds me a little tiny bit of when, uh, it was before it came out in an English version came out, but, um, oh gosh, the game where it was a, it was a cell phone game, uh, where you would like rate pet cats and raise cats and like you'd mm-hmm. leave and then you'd come back and you might find certain cats there. Like at the time you would go look, shit, what is the name of this game? I can see it in front of me, but I can't think of the game, but it was cool because like you always, you always had this like, like, Oh my God, what if I just check right now? Maybe there'll be yeah. a, ca- a cat I haven't seen and I can take there. a picture yeah. of it. And like that <laughs> went on for a really, really, really long time with that game. God, now I can't remember the name of the game. But that's uh, any, whether you find it or not, the name of it, like that aliveness. Neko even Atsume. It- okay. Yeah. Kitty collector. Even a Tamagotchi as a concept mm-hmm. is so revolutionary. It's yeah. a, it's there when you're not there like that. Because when you turn off Super Mario Brothers, it's not there. It is gone until you return to it. it all sure. games are like that, except for these unique experiences. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and and. Where are the Animal Crossing clones? You know, where, why did it? Only just now we're starting to see a few of these things. Mm-hmm. Again, this is why I love M- I love the idea of MMOs that they that they continue to go on without you. Are you familiar with um, Jason? And I might be mispronouncing his last name. Roar, Roarer, or Roar? Jason Roar. Does that ring a bell? He's a game developer. I don't think so. He made game very ex, sort of experimental. You know, maybe I'll reach out to him and see if he would want to be a guest because that would be, I, I would be fangirling there, um, <laughs> not fanboying. No, 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 uh, fangirling <laughs> for sure. Um, games like Sleep Is Death, where you are—it's uh, a two-player game and you are like creating the world for the second player as they play it, and it's sort of almost like a text adventure, but you are you the human are replying to the other player as they input commands and stuff um but he created this other more recent game called one hour one life and i hope i'm not going to misrepresent it by in my explanation of it but it is the story of humanity uh where you jump into the game and you're a baby and you play the game for one hour in real time with however many other thousands of players are playing currently at the same time. So it's a MMO-ish, but not really. And you you play it for one hour. In the course of one hour, you will grow from a baby to an old person and then die. Uh, and you have really? to do whatever you can in your lifetime, which is one hour, mm-hmm. to do something. And that could be murdering people or it could be planting crops, or it can be building a shelter or whatever. And what you do, and then you die, you then leave behind for the next player. So you you might be killed as a baby instantly by some dickhead, and that's the end of your time with the game. Mm-hmm. But you may also contribute to something that then becomes part of the game world for the next player and the next players and the next player. And, and I, I think you can play again like you're not locked out of the game forever like you can obviously play again and again but what's happening here is that the player base through one hour at a time 
is slowly building civilization. So like you start the, the game world starts as a, as ca- you know, uh, caveman is a bad term. It's not a scientific term, but uh, as a, uh, you know, a hunter gatherer tribe people. And like, for all I know, they're in the space age now because one hour at a time, people have turned a rock into an ax and then died and then left it for the next player or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and that is the coolest thing. It's so cool. That is I, that kind of shit is very compelling to me. Yeah. And it's easy to see why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll reach out to him because he, he just is. I don't know quite how he makes a living. It's just these very compelling experimental games that some many people really adore, but they are not commercially like success, uh, successful is a bad word. Right. E- EA is not publishing any of these games for, for, you know, for, <laughs> yes, for, no, for they are that's not. one way to put it. Definitely so, not. Uh, interesting. So I'll think about that. Uh, what else? I'm so glad you're playing Sable and I would love for you to, um, I'm, I'm hoping you will uh, stick with the demo and I think I will. Us. I mean, I'm fascinated enough for, for sure. And actually, speaking of updates, um, I am still playing The Last Campfire, which we talked about mm-hmm. um, in our episode with Syra, and it continues to totally enchant me. Another Good. really great atmosphere, really fascinating kind of story. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see where that goes. So that's my update. Fantastic. If you, uh, if you, were, if you were on the fence by The Last Campfire already bought because you and Syra were like oh it's like it was literally seven dollars in the e-shop and i mm-hmm. hopped into the e-shop to because there was that sale and it was like spirit fairer was super cheap last campfire was super cheap and final fantasy 12 which you convinced me was worth my time and i'm eager to uh put that to the i really test. do want to hear how that goes <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a 10, 15 year old PlayStation game uh, that, you know, is of course like $50 in the eShop, but was half off. And I was like, all right, like I, I really do want to play these missing Final Fantasy links. Mm-hmm. So it'll never be cheaper than this. Grabbed it. And so they're all they are sitting on my Switch and they will be played, uh, but not yet because I have gone back to a game called Darkest Dungeon. Have you seen you, it, played have it? You are you talked to me it? about this game? It's, I don't know if I have. A bell. I, you, in previous show notes when we were like, hey, what are we going to talk about? I, I, I have uh, dropped it in there, but I don't know that we've talked about it on the show yet. Where have I heard it before? I can't remember. Anyway, just go on and tell me as if, you know, I don't know, because obviously it's... Ringing a bell, but I can't remember. Very why. popular game. I, I, if you had said, "Oh, I've never heard of it," I'd, I'd be, I'd be surprised because it's, it's, it's definitely a hit. You know, uh, the developer is Red Hook Studios, and and I don't know what they've done previously. And it's been out for five or so years at least. It was a, a very much a PC game that was later ported to consoles. It might even be on mobile too, which would be a wonderful experience. Completely 2D game. It runs beautifully. Uh, but the premise of this game and many of the reasons why I adore it and as I have stated previously on the show, I, I really very rarely go back and pl- and replay games. But I was craving 
the I was craving like a turn-based strategy, dungeony, you know, fighting monsters kind of game, and I was really trying to get into that uh, Legend of Keepers, which I think I referenced on the very first episode of this show. And I was holding off on it for a patch that would in- increase the font size of this game because I'm playing it on a Switch Lite and I can't fucking read the text. Huh. And the developer was like, yeah, we're going to update it. We're going to update it. And th- like two patches have come and gone and-, and it's still illegible. And I'm like, I can't play this. I really want to play it. It looks great. Great community there. They're announcing DLC for it. And I, I-, I just I can't do it. And I'm like, I want, I'm craving this game. And you know why I'm craving it? Because it's a lot like Darkest Dungeon. And I, and I had played Darkest Dungeon on PC and played, I would say, 90% of the campaign. Got really destroyed, uh, kind of ramping up to the final dungeon, final boss battle. And I'll explain why that is uh, challenging momentarily when I describe the game to you. And uh, fell off, sadly, because th- there is permadeath in the game, and it was kind of like, oh, God, I lost some critical heroes here, and to to then rebuild the team to go back at, at this dungeon again was mm-hmm. too, too, uh, too much of a feat for me at that time, whenever this was on PC. So I, I set it aside, feeling very satisfied that I had gotten a fantastic uh, experience with this wonderful game. And then I, I pop into the eShop, and uh, Darkest Dungeon has been there for some time, but it, it's called the Ancestral Edition, which has all the DLC that I never played. So I'm looking at this being like, it's a good price. I did not fully complete the game. Mm-hmm. And now it's got all these new characters and mechanics and systems that I didn't, I never touched. I, I just did not keep up with the game during the DLC, snagged this nice, beautiful bundle, and now it's all in the palm of my hand, mm-hmm. and I'm back in Darkest Dungeon, and it is chef's kiss. It is everything <laughs> I was craving and wanting from a game, and it made me think, like, it made me reevaluate some of my habits, you know, because it's like... This compulsion to be like, what am I going to play next? Well, I want this kind of game. I want this experience. And I really want it to be meaty and I want it to be good. I want it to be like this other game I've already played. And it's like, just fucking go back and replay the game you love. Like, why are you always seeking <laughs> something that you already know is there? It's, a, again, you know, a mental illness uh, that we <laughs> we media consumers we're always looking for that next thing, you know, it's, it's a, it's an addiction for sure. For sure. Um, but I'm so glad I went back to this wonderful game. So to set the stage for you, it is a dungeon crawler. The premise is that you get a letter from your ancestor. He's just called the ancestor and he has this estate. It's a town basically. And the backs, the, the very loose backstory is that like, he owns this this uh, this estate, and they discovered something—a a pathway, a portal, something—and they dealt, they went a little too deep, and they were a little too greedy, and something, some bad shit went down, and now the whole place is crawling with monsters, and it's extremely Lovecraftian. It's very ah. abyssal, abyssal horrors from beyond, beyond the the veil of time and space, and. Mm-hmm. 
it is very uh, terrifying and worrisome. And this entire town has fallen into disrepair. And the ancestor is dead, I think. But he is speaking to you through letters. And there is a voiceover. There is a character that voices this this, uh, ancestor. And it is a critical part of the game because... As you fight battles, this narrator is sort of narrating the battles. And so, you know, in, in games, sometimes you've got that narrator character who is just like, how, you know, how do I turn this setting off? You know, people don't care for it, but it is just wonderful in this game. And so the other hook of this game is that you have the, you know, you're, you're recruiting heroes and there is a crusader and there's a leper and there's a plague doctor. You were talking about plague doctors in a, about a previous game uh, uh, yes. once and it, it reminded me. Um, it's very medieval Lovecraftian uh, or, or, you know, 17th, 18th century feeling, but it's totally a fantasy world, uh, mythological world, of course. Um uh, houndmaster, mercenary, occultist, uh, you know, all these dark magic kind of uh, characters. And they are like, hey, we want to get rich going into these dungeons, recruit us. And you recruit different characters. They all have different skills, very sophisticated uh, skill system where the skills, the character skills were, will synergize with each other. So you're creating a, a party of four characters. They start out as, as babies, level zero, uh, very weak. And you go on these different missions in the dungeon. And it's a, it's a side scroller almost. You're walking from left to right through these corridors and you're going into different rooms and you're hitting, uh, random encounters sort of but there are other mechanics that let you scout out where the encounters are going to be so you can strategize and plan huh. so you, you encounter uh monsters uh, and and the, the layout of the screen is very it's it's, it's very final fantasy your or maybe reverse final fantasy uh, 2d final fantasy your your heroes are on the left and your monsters are on the right and the the order in which the characters and monsters are positioned is very critical to the strategy. So if your character, if your uh, melee character has a bunch of melee skills, skills that are only work in first position, then you have to make sure that that character is, is up front so that he or she can utilize all of their skills as effectively as possible. Some characters only utilize skills in third position and some characters can move in different places and sort of like, Hey, if I do this like lunging skill, I will lunge forward into second position. And then once I'm in second position, I can do this cool like backflip skill that will make me hidden. And then I'll move back into third position. And then the healer can be in third position or fourth position and, and use their skills accordingly. And so it's extremely strategic in that regard. The monsters also have similar mechanics where they need to be in certain positions to use different skills and Hmm. you can stun them. You can knock them back. You can pull them forward, all that good stuff. Um, here's where the game really shines. You go to zero hit points, you're dead, and it's permadeath, so you lose your character forever. So um, as you invest in your characters, uh, it becomes more and more, uh, you know, scary, really, to bring them into higher level dungeons where, hey, I've upgraded this guy's armor, I've invested in these skills, I've made sure he is cured of all diseases, and he's ready to go, and oh shit, this run is going really bad, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, 
and he's dead. And that's a huge blow. But then the other thing here where this game is, what this game is all about is stress. And so characters die from death, (laughs) losing hit points, but you also have to manage their stress level and stress is a factor where if you if you don't have enough torches in the dungeons they their characters start to get more stressed out during battles uh if enemies cast certain abilities or spells they can they don't really damage hit points so much but they freak your heroes out Ah. and so you have a stress meter and your stress meter ticks up and ticks up and ticks up so you're as your life is ticking down, your stress meter is ticking up. Now, when the stress meter fills to the max because your characters have been in the dungeon for too long and they're getting stressed out and they're they're hitting that, they're crossing over that threshold, suddenly there's a point of reckoning. I forget what, they, what it's called in the game. Um, but your character hits their maximum stress and there's a dice roll and they can either become uh negatively afflicted i think it's called afflictions where they become abusive or selfish or hopeless or they can rise above that stress and they can become stalwart or heroic or whatever and all of a sudden they start kicking ass because their like mind has been broken and they rose above that that moment um and that's another thing actually that's really important to to mention there's a lot of strategy games where it's like all right i'm positioned here like chess it's like i'm positioned here you're positioned here i know exactly what the moves are going to make and i'm going to make the best moves that i can into the breach which i actually haven't played but i've heard it's like yep i know the board is exactly set up this way and i'm going to make the best strategic move Darkest Dungeon is a strategy game and you're making the best moves possible, but dice rolls, random RNG here, is very uh, critical. And and some people don't like that, and I understand that. I really love it in this game because there is so much drama that comes into play. So it's kind of like you're in the heat of battle and things are not going so well and your 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 crusader who's dealing a lot of damage in the front row is is at they call it at death's door he's down to zero hit points and if he gets hit in the next moment by any enemy he will die and be lost forever and it's the healer's turn and she steps up and the dice and you know that the healer can heal between three and five hit points there's going to be a there's going to be a range there. And all I need to do is get this crusader healed so he can take another hit. And the healer steps up and rolls the dice. And maybe she, maybe it's like a very known quantity. She heals three hit points. Whew, we're going to survive another round. Right. Or she fucking misses. And we are fucking toast. And now wow. shit's really bad. Or a monster cast another spell and the healer is now... um abusive because she's so stressed out and now she's abusive and what happens is the abusive character is like fuck this mission you guys suck this is the word i should never have come down here there's all this dialogue that happens during the fights and then what that does is it stresses the other characters out so it starts to become this slippery slope of like all right things are going good I, we, we finished this room we got the treasure we're almost there oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit and then and then things start spiraling out of control in a very 
dramatic, compelling way in a very narrow, emergent narrative way that again, you know me, I love that emergent gameplay that is unpredictable and you can plan for some of it and you really can't plan for some of it. Conversely, these characters can come through in the clutch. You're like, we're fucked. This is done. Run away. (laughs) We're done. And then all of a sudden your Hellion, who's like this kick-ass, you know, uh, axe lady comes through with a critical hit and just obliterates the the enemy and you like she comes through in the clutch and it's like yeah you know it's that moment of triumph that you didn't know was going to happen and 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 really like you get attached to these characters because a you're investing in them b they like come through in the clutch in those pivotal story you know emergent story moments and if you lose them, they're gone forever. So you really start caring about these characters that wow. are doing their best job to stay alive and not get stressed out. And the other cool thing is like, okay, if, you're, if your folks survive, you bring them back to the town and then there is a tavern in the town. There's an abbey in the town, which is a, uh, like a, uh, you know, a, um, a church basically. And they can meditate and they can pray and they Aww. can gamble and they can drink, which then reduces their stress level. So if, if you have had a really difficult run, you need to like let your characters rest. It's not healing because their hit points don't matter at that point. You need to, they need to de-stress in order to be viable for the next run. And what ha- so then you're actually managing sort of this strategic metagame of like, I need enough characters coming into my camp so that I can, when my he- when my heavy hitters are stressed out, mm-hmm. I need other people coming in to keep doing the dungeon because you have to run a dungeon for time to pass so that your characters in the tavern can chill out a little bit. Uh, and okay. so ma- it's like a resource management, but it's like you're not managing like wood and stone, you're managing like stress. And it's really <laughs> cool. It's really compelling. I I just my own so so if if this is if if my rambling is is making this appeal to you or to anyone listening my only criticism of the game is that it is a very very long grind and if you're not managing your roster of characters very strategically you, you sort of like what I'm what's happening now is like I'm running out of money because the because I'm I have a lot of stressed out good characters and a lot of like baby noobs who suck and they're not bringing home the gold. (laughs) They're not bringing home the treasure. So I don't have enough money to like pay for uh, hookers and and gamblers uh, (laughs) for the, for my good heroes. And, and uh, so I'm at a bit of a, like, I'm starting to like wean these new characters in and phase out other characters and i and i'm hitting a wall that i know as an experienced player i know how to solve it but it is a it is a long ass grind for someone who's figuring the game out what i will say is that they had they have added something called a radiant mode which is like hey if you want to just play like a shorter like a faster version of the game where it's like progress happens faster. So maybe that's like 20 hours all the way through instead of like 60, which is probably the path that I'm on right now. Um, I'm very happy that they added like a 
a chill out, like a, like a less crazy mode uh, into the into the game. So For sure. if if the, if my rambling has spooked you away from this game, know that there is a. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. It, it's not an easy mode. It's not a, a difficulty setting. It's more like, hey, when you complete a dungeon, you'll probably get double the gold and you'll just get to go faster through the mechanics as opposed to like the slow methodical grind that i happen to enjoy yeah um and it's it's my grind game in bed on a switch and that is uh it's it's working for me so i highly recommend darkest dungeon uh check it out awesome i i really enjoy the excitement about it and i mean i know you're referring to it as rambling but i'm honestly i don't see it that way at all you know i see it (laughs) as wow matt's really excited about this game and that's great like and i mean i'm looking at it like i opened i always open on steam like you know when we talk about a game i'm always like let me look at it and i I mean honestly it looks fascinating like to me i think it's something that i'm going to add to my wish list and be like okay like the next time this is on sale i'm going to buy it check out that art style too because it is incredible spectacular 2d hand-drawn and i will also say you know if you're looking at images you'll see the art style but if you watch gameplay of it or a trailer it's these 2d hand-drawn images that are animated so beautifully and it's mm-hmm. it's hard to describe but it's like paper cutouts attacking each other and it's almost like a uh, the sound design is so good that narrator's good and the way you when you hear uh, you know, a sword hitting or, you know, a blood spurting or, uh, or a blight, you know, poison, you know, you know, smashing. It's these 2D animations that really don't move very much. They just kind of go whoosh and they, the camera zooms in and these cool, grotesque monsters and heroes are like smashing into each other. And it's the sound design and it's the art and the, and everything. And it just, it is so immersive. And these little paper cutouts are not even moving. It's just—it's like, it's like playing with dolls. It's like you, uh, you know, like like you're smashing two action figures together. Like that doesn't look good, but like in your mind, you're like, you know, like that's the vibe of this. I, I'm probably selling it short, but they just did it right. There is an aesthetic here that is so dark and it's very lovecrafty and like i said it's you know there's a lot of um there's a there's an area of the there's a dungeon in the game called the cove and it's very um it's fish people that are very gruesome and you know tentacly in some places and then you go deeper and deeper and there's some very dark shit like very um like religious imagery like you know people have who have gone crazy because of their um their religiosity and things of that wow. sort because they, they they went too deep in this very um you know abyssal place and they got touched by something and now they are you know doing bad stuff down there it's 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 wonderfully creepy uh, not horror you know like like the aesthetic is horror but, but it creepy. is not like yeah. creepy horror no jump scares none of that yeah. it's the, you're not like whoa you're not jumping out of your seat none of that stuff hmm I'm interested. Not going to lie. Yeah. I am definitely interested. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was hoping to pique your interest. And uh, <laughs> I just you know. I wish I could remember who else talked about this game because I, as when you said it, my brain was like, oh, remember this from somewhere. I wonder if maybe uh, Patrick, my husband, like if he maybe anyway. 
<laughs> Knowing a little bit about his taste, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, and and also the the turn-based battle system is extremely final fan like like final fantasy invented the core of what this is right so like you know you have roots there uh so i think i think that would speak to you as well if you if you are still on the like turn-based strategy stuff mm-hmm you know, the, here's the other thing. Really no story. The, the story, you get story tidbits of like, oh, I'm in this new dungeon now. And then the ancestor narrator will be like, we went here and it it, it got really fucked up. <laughs> and you're going to, you're going to have a bad time. Watch out. And, but it's not narrative in, in, in that way, you know? So, uh, take that as you will. Right. Interesting. All right. Well, add to wish list. Add to wishlist. The other thing I'll say about the Switch version is that it's a it's a mouse and keyboard game, and the controls are strange on Switch and on console. They take a lot of getting used to. Probably play it on a computer anyway. But if you play handheld exclusively, it has touchscreen, and then that solves all the weird controller stuff. Uh, So take that if it's useful to you listeners or to you Colette, um, I I do strongly recommend it on switch, but know that um, handheld playing it on a TV with a controller might be, uh, don't get frustrated by that. Uh, Yeah, no, I'll just play it on my computer, honestly. And I've noticed, and I'm sure you've probably noticed this too, that sometimes games do not go on sale on the switch or whatever other console store. And they will be like cheap as dirt on steam. Oh yeah. You can grab this. I'm all about that. I'm like, yeah, I might. I did. I read somewhere that it 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 is currently on Game Pass or coming to Game Pass. I I don't quote Ooh, me on that. That'd be cool. I could be wrong, but uh, keep an eye out for a deal or a Game Pass thing going on there. Uh, again, highly yeah, recommend for sure. That's me. Um, what else? Anything else? Or or shall we head on out of here? I think that for right now that that is kind of all I've got going on, but it, it feels it feels like a good good things, good things to be uh, playing and interested in. So I cannot complain. I think that's that's it for me. Enjoy Sable. I will. Please update us next time because yes. uh, and that's coming out reasonably soon. I think something summer? like August or September. Yes. Is what they had. Yeah. Yeah. So not, you know, if you're enjoying the demo, not too much of a wait there, which is really fun. I'm I'm so happy to see so many like debuts and announcements and demos. And a lot of the PC stuff is like, oh, yeah, two months away. It's not like 2023 buckle up, you know, it's it's Mm -hmm. great. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Oh, man. Good times. Good times indeed. (laughs) Well. We thank you for entering the chat with us, dear listener or listeners. We might have two or three by, by this point. Uh, our, our theme music, of course, is by Azure Flux. Our logo is illustrated by Just Call Me Katarina. And, you know, we always, always want to hear what you are playing, what you're looking forward to. You can contact us in a myriad of ways. Uh, have entered the chat at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, send us an email directly. We read all of them. We read most of them on the show. So please become part of this community. Uh, but also Twitter, 
uh, and uh, Discord. All of these links will be in the notes of the show. There's no need to write down what I'm saying right now. Please check out the show notes or uh, you know on the website haveenteredthechat.com. Uh, you can get all this information, subscribe on any podcast platform that you enjoy. And, uh, if you are on one that has a review system, leave one, uh, whether it's good or bad, just leave something so that we can see you're out there and, uh, other, it it really does help other people uh, find the show. I know a lot of podcasters say that, but as a professional podcaster, I can tell you it is true. Yeah. It makes a big difference. difference. Just a few minutes of your life definitely make a big difference. So. If you feel spirited about us chatting about this stuff, please do think about it. And thank you in advance for doing so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thanks for listening. And we will talk at you next week. Bye. Bye.